That's got to be the best part I've ever seen. So it would seem. You're listening to the fastest growing on-demand media show in the Tampa Bay area. The Pirate Nation podcast is setting sail in five, four, three, two, one. Forty-four days until the most important election of our adult lifetime, and you found us here at the Pirate Nation podcast. My name is David Happy. We are broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, more specifically Pinellas County, Florida, one of the bellwether counties across the United States that very well might predict the balance of power in the Congress, the balance of power in the U.S. House of Representatives, and the balance of power that could ultimately alter the trajectory of the United States forever. And we're bringing this to you here on the Pirate Nation podcast, maybe one of the only podcasts in the Tampa Bay area that actually tells the truth. We're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming election in 44 days. You know, in Pinellas County, which is considered a swing county, the way Pinellas County goes typically is the way that the country goes. And in Pinellas County, we have a pro-abortion, radical LBGTQRSTUVWXYZ, BLM, radical left-wing lunatic running against an America first, pro-God, pro-gun, pro-family, and yes, pro-baby candidate right here in Pinellas County. And the way that election goes may very well control the balance of power in the United States. So we're going to bring that to you. We're going to talk about Pinellas. What the hell is wrong with Pinellas County? We're going to talk about We're going to bring you inside of Pinellas County to explain to you how messed up this swing county is in terms of getting true conservatives elected. And hopefully, with 44 days left, you in the Pirate Nation across the country and across the state of Florida and across this great county of Pinellas can be the difference to help us swing this election back towards God, back towards family, and back towards life. Welcome, friends, to the Pirate Nation podcast. Greetings to everybody tuning in across the United States to the Pirate Nation podcast. My name is David Happy, broadcasting today from the Tampa Bay area. And we're going to tell you a little bit about the Tampa Bay area, a little bit about Pinellas County, Florida, from a political standpoint. Tampa Bay is kind of considered an area almost like Los Angeles or Chicago or New York, meaning it's not just the city proper of Tampa. The Tampa Bay area encompasses pretty much everything from Clearwater, Florida. Many of you have been to our great beaches there, St. Petersburg, Florida, and Tampa, Florida. And many cities in between comprise the Tampa Bay area. Really what you have is you have Tampa on one side of the bay, If you were to look at a map, you have the Gulf of Mexico touching St. Petersburg and Clearwater. And then on the other side of that peninsula, you have Tampa. Uh, In between Tampa and Clearwater, St. Petersburg is the Tampa Bay. So Tampa, Florida is in Hillsborough County, Florida. Clearwater and St. Petersburg are on the Pinellas county side. You know, Pinellas County is considered what they call a bellwether county for election purposes. And the reason that they say that is there's really been no better oracle of political futures 
than Pinellas County where I live. That's the Clearwater St. Petersburg side. That's the side that actually touches the Gulf of Mexico. But since 1976, with the sole exception of the uh, 2000 election, Bush versus Gore, Pinellas County has successfully predicted the electoral college winner of every single presidential election. That's why they call us a bellwether. A bellwether is just kind of a political indicator, and it derives its name from, in the old days, they used to take a bell, and they would put the bell on a castrated ram, and that castrated ram would lead a flock of sheep. And no matter where the flock was, it didn't have to be in eyesight of the shepherd. The bell would be the bellwether or the indicator as to where the flock was. Kind of an ironic term when you think about uh, political leadership and sheep kind of following along. But Pinellas County has long been considered a bellwether county. Part of the reason for that is it's a pretty diverse makeup of people and ideologies and races and colors and creeds and sexual orientations when you talk about the people that live in St. Petersburg, etc. Pinellas County is kind of comprised of, if you just sliced it up into a pie, it'd be a third Republican registered, a third Democrat registered, and a third no party affiliation. So in Florida, we have closed primaries, and what closed primaries mean is during the primary, you can only vote for whatever party you're registered for. So if you're a Republican during the primary, you can only vote for the Republican candidate, etc. So then you get to the general election, like is coming up here in 2022 in November and 2024, and you can vote for whoever you want on the overall general election. So we live in this bellwether. We live in this deep purple county comprised of some red Republicans, some extreme blue liberals, and some independents maybe that are either truly independents or just pissed off at all the parties and, and not affiliated with any party. But then they all come together in this melting pot for these general elections. So you take a look at what happened in the primaries here in Florida, and you saw news stories of this Republican red wave specifically that swept through school boards. You saw school boards in Sarasota, which traditionally has been pretty liberal. Even down in Miami-Dade County, the school board turned conservative with all these Moms for Liberty groups um, helping people to really fight back against the Orwellian mandates and the encroachment of the school boards into parental decision-making. This was flanked and protected this year by the Florida legislature that passed a parental bill of rights, really putting parents in charge of the determinations for what is in the best interest of their kids, even within the public school system. But you had this red wave during the primary elections here in 2022 sweep all across the state of Florida with all of these school board seats all over the place turning from liberals to conservatives as parents fight back and we're sick of it. We're not taking this liberal woke garbage anymore. So you saw all of these school boards flip and now they're starting to implement conservative policies. One of the sole exceptions to that was one of the school boards that was predicted to turn conservative. And that was the Pinellas County school board. It didn't happen. 
Why didn't it happen? When we now in Pinellas County, we have a majority of uh, just a marginal majority. Remember, I said it's a third Republican, a third Democrat, and a third Independent. So what's happening in Pinellas County that caused Pinellas County to sit out on this red wave and miss the school board flip to conservative? Well, a couple things to consider. Number one, I'm going to take you back up to 50,000 feet to take a look at Pinellas County overall for the last 20 or 30 years. There's been an infiltration of the Republican Party by rhinos, maybe overused term by Republicans in name only, really probably more apt described as there have been Democrats or liberals that have run as conservatives or Republicans specifically to get an elected office. If you look at our Pinellas County Governing Commission here, which is a, a board that's comprised of really should be a cross-section of representatives, it leans completely liberal. We're living in what they call a progressive county by their own definition, even though we're a third Republican, a third Democrat, and a third independent with a marginal uh, increase over the Democrats in terms of registered Republicans. So really, you should look at a Pinellas County Commission. It should be conservative. You look at our school board, and supposedly there are four Republicans and three liberals on our school board. But interestingly, in almost every circumstance, on almost every vote, on almost every topic, from equity to the way they spend our money, et cetera, the school board votes almost, you could take a a page out of Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals and apply it to the Pinellas County School Board. It is the farthest thing from a conservative school board and a board that is supposedly Republican dominated by at least one seat. So what happened? What happened during the election and what what's happening in Pinellas County? These aren't conservatives that are sitting on these boards. Our local governance from our sheriff to our Pinellas County Commission to our school boards have been affected by liberalism. At, a, at The best case scenario that I can describe for you is that we have elected moderates into these positions. The worst case scenario I can describe for you is we have been infiltrated by Trojan horse candidates that really aren't conservatives, but that ran as a Republican. I'm going to give you a couple examples just from this 2022 election cycle so you kind of understand from an outsider's perspective, what's going on in Pinellas County and how we missed this red wave at the school board. Let me give you three separate examples. The first example happened very early in the election cycle when there was a candidate that was running for school board, and he had approached the Pirate Nation amongst other conservative community groups asking for some support and guidance and help with his campaign. Seemed like a wonderful guy. He was a credentialed professor had said all the right things, uh, wanted all the same things, articulated all the same things that we talk about. So we were pretty excited about this candidate because we were looking forward. This was very early in the primary cycle, and we were looking forward to this red wave coming into Pinellas. Only to find out on doing deep due diligence and call it opposition research on this guy, that this guy was actually a hardcore liberal. Now, this hardcore liberal bundled and packaged himself like a conservative, came into conservative groups asking for conservative support for his candidacy, because if he got it, he would win the support of all the conservatives all the way along to get elected into this school board position. This particular guy was a data scientist, a hardcore liberal, 
the more we dug into his background, his unpublished, undisclosed background, the more we realized that this was literally likely just a Trojan horse. This was a candidate that was a far cry from a conservative, wasn't anything that he presented himself in terms of his stump speeches, etc. And ultimately, he withdrew from the race when he couldn't get the support of any of the conservative organizations in Pinellas County because we exposed him for the liberal that he most likely is. So that was one win for the good guys as we started to vet some of these candidates. There were additional candidates. There was a guy that was running for local office. Uh, he was running uh, to be a state representative for one of our local Pinellas County areas. And you know what? He presented him. He was, he's a member of the GOP. But the problem is the GOP themselves, the political party here in Pinellas County, didn't vet or do research on candidates. So this candidate was running as a GOP candidate for the GOP endorsement for state representative. And very late in the campaign cycle, the Pirate Nation podcast, Tidings Media, and a few others in doing opposition deep due, due diligence research came across the fact that this guy is a washed in the blood, hardcore, was a washed in the blood, hardcore Democrat, has been a Democrat his entire political career, has uh, most recently as the last gubernatorial election was working on behalf of the Democrat candidate for governor, was taking money as a Democrat consultant. All of a sudden, I mean, imagine this guy was sitting in a back room with a couple of his cronies smoking a cigar or whatever, and they're like, hey, you should run as a Republican. And everybody probably laughed. And then they said, no, we're serious. You should run as a Republican. And the conversation in the room at the time must have been, well, well everybody knows I'm a Democrat. But see, we're living in this window of time where these news cycles literally run in 24 hours, maybe 48 hours at the max. So nobody ever called this guy out on the fact that he spent his entire career as a Democrat fundraiser and Democrat operative, literally was a Democrat committee person uh, here in Pinellas County. But then he runs as a Republican and he, for a while, he was the front runner. We then exposed the fact that he was a Democrat. I mean, he wasn't telling anybody this until we literally started publishing and putting out all of this background information. He ended up getting his clock clean in the election, but only after the exposure for yet another liberal, I won't call him a Democrat because he is a registered member of the Republican Party, but that's a recent change, as recent as the last gubernatorial election. So 2018, he was a registered Democrat soliciting and fundraising and, and helping Democrat candidates get elected. Then he runs as a Republican and all the, all the sheep, you want to talk about bellwether? You want to talk about people being led like sheep? Everybody was going to vote for this guy just because next to his name it said Republican. And that's what's been happening in Pinellas County. So the first one was a school board candidate that was a liberal that was seeking the assistance of conservatives until we exposed him, got him out of the race. Second one was a state representative. And the third one is even more complex than that. There's a gal running for a school board seat here in Pinellas County. And if you win 51% of the primary, you don't have to go to the general election. There is a hardcore conservative master's uh, in history school teacher that is running for school board. Great candidate. All the conservative bona fides. Everybody loves her. Never heard a bad word about her. But what happened was some of the conservative groups started promoting a different candidate. 
to run against her in the primary. So there was a Democrat in the primary. There was a super conservative candidate in the primary. And then there was this third character. And this third character kind of came up out of nowhere. Nobody knew who she was, but a couple of these quote unquote conservative groups. And in particular, one group that uh, one media show that caters themselves to an elderly audience started promoting this third candidate and the third candidate um i didn't like her bona fides because she was a union member she there was a lot of things that just hit the radar wrong in terms of this third candidate that was running calling herself a conservative she was a npa no party affiliated uh registered voter but she was calling herself a conservative and i didn't believe it from the first day well, the long and the short of it is with the backing of a couple of these conservative groups that were running this candidate against the favorite, running these candidates against a true conservative, the third candidate siphoned just enough votes off of the preferred candidate to cause her to not get the 51% majority that would have sealed the deal. She wouldn't have had to go on to the general election. She could have won this in the primary. Absent of that candidate, absent of that candidate being inserted and taking just enough votes away that she was never a serious candidate from a vote contention standpoint anyway. She was never going to win this election. I don't believe she was in place to win this election. I believe she was in place to take just enough votes to make sure a true America first history master's teacher did not get onto the school board. So the primary happens, the candidate that we all prefer, most of us preferred gets just short of the 51% that she needs because she got these votes siphoned off by this uh, Trojan horse candidate per se. And so now she heads into a general election against a hardcore Democrat that is raising money like crazy. The guy that she is running against now in the general election is a pro-mask, pro-vax. His wife is a a doctor at Johns Hopkins. He goes to a one of the most radical, woke BLM LGBTQ churches in the entire Tampa Bay area. He was endorsed by this weirdo pastor. Call him a pastor. I'm using air quotes. You can't see me, but I'm using air quotes. Um, that has really traditional Christianity has nothing on this church, if you want to call it a church. So that's that's the way that this election sets up. So rather than have a clear-cut win for a conservative, some of the mock conservatives, Fox, F-A-U-X, conservatives, promoted this third-party candidate siphoning just enough votes off to ha keep Pinellas from participating in the red wave. We re-elected a radical school board member. We sent another candidate that looks like a, a viable conservative candidate into the general election as well. So yeah, Pinellas is a mess, but part of the reason that Pinellas is a mess, our issue here is not a, a problem of turnout. Okay, right after the election, all of these conservative groups that supported this mock candidate, Fox candidate, F-A-U-X candidate, then said, well, the problem here was turnout. The problem actually wasn't turnouts in Pinellas County. It was turncoats. If we keep putting forward these Republican and name-only candidates, these fake conservative candidates that now dominate our board. And we have enough voters here in Pinellas County that we should have Republican majority conservative uh, governing boards at the county commission level, 
at the county school board level. And Pinellas County absolutely should have participated in this red wave that went all across. We had, you know what? Palm Beach County, West Palm Beach County, Miami Dade County, Sarasota County, some of these counties that flipped to conservative. It's mind boggling because these are liberal footholds in Florida. But apparently so is Pinellas County, because even though our voter registrations say that the numbers are on the sides of the Republicans, what happens is the, so these people think they're voting for Republicans and they vote for these candidates that get in and then govern like liberals. Do you know that um, right in the middle of the pandemic that our Republican representatives, with the exception of one on our Pinellas County Commission, actually voted for a tax increase? So while you all were at home sheltering your families worried about coronavirus or worried about the Orwellian mandates to close your businesses or whatever, the quote-unquote Republicans, with the exception of one, on the Pinellas County Commission actually voted for a tax increase. Those are the types of things we're dealing with here in Pinellas County as a result of a, a somewhat weak GOP. Now, there's leadership upcoming in the GOP here in Pinellas County that I think is going to turn the tide um, and at least fight for conservative principles. But if over the course of the last 10 or 15 or 20 years, the GOP has literally been infiltrated at the governing board level with people that aren't really conservatives, maybe they literally were Democrats like this guy that we exposed during the election, or maybe they were just weak, we need moderates that are just there for the salaries. Pinellas County Commission pays $100,000 a year. School board pays $50,000 a year for a part-time position. But we don't have any real conservatives. There's only one conservative I can think of in this entire town that is on any of our governing boards. I think that there's literally one conservative total in office right now. So when you hear about Pinellas County, you hear about us being a bellwether, you hear about it being a, you know, a, a relatively even county of no party affiliated people, Democrats and Republicans. Never forget the fact that what's infiltrating and infecting our elections is Trojan horse candidates that are running as conservatives that haven't been vetted by the GOP. The public gets duped. You want to talk about a bellwether. We're following along like sheep when somebody gets onto the Republican ticket and we vote for them because they are a Republican, then they get in office and they, they literally put forth the Democrat agenda on our school board. All of the school board members vote in unison all the time. They all voted. There was a unanimous vote on our school board to hire international English as a second language, non uh, visa teachers, actually visa teachers, but non citizen teachers above there's a hiring quota now in Pinellas County. So on our school board, we have to hire a certain number of these international teachers before we even look to Florida graduates and hire Florida graduates here in Pinellas County. So not everything is what it seems. Some of these elections were literally caused losses by fake conservatives that promoted fake conservative candidates. Knowingly, a lot of the stuff we talked about before the election, but this was the strategy there's a group in town called the Coalition, and the Coalition is made up of a bunch of people that aren't conservatives, aren't liberal, Dem maybe liberal Democrats, certainly don't have a party affiliation per se. It's a secret, uh, surreptitious group that operates in the shade of darkness to affect these elections. And my belief over time is that we'll find out more and more and more about this coalition. It's a, it's a secret organization. It's not like they publish their membership list, but it's a real organization that does exist in Pinellas County. 
I don't know who backs it, but it certainly goes much higher than Pinellas County. And one of the main objectives of this coalition is to affect the elections in Pinellas County. We're going to talk a little bit about the congressional race that's happening in Pinellas County uh, for District 13 for U.S. House of Representatives. But the coalition is definitely involved in this election. This election for the U.S. House of Representatives may very well control the balance of power in the United States Congress. It could be, it could come down to one seat and this might be the seat that does it. So let me tell you a little bit about what's happening in Pinellas County, Florida, in terms of the U.S. congressional election for the U.S. House of Representatives. And you can see what kind of an impact that these Trojan horse candidates or this coalition may be having on national politics. So I'm going to go ahead right now and give you a disclaimer that if you have young children that are in the room while you're listening to this, you may want to take a pause on this, bookmark your place, and come on back to the Pirate Podcast at a later time because we're going to tell the truth about what's happening in Pinellas County and what's happening in Florida and what's happening in the United States of America. You know, I saw an article the other day, and it was from the Associated Press, And before I even get into the article, there was a funny picture, and I call it a funny picture because these people are just so uninformed. The sign on the picture that somebody had made said, hell hath no fury like an American woman scorned. Hell hath no fury like an American woman scorned. Like if you're in opposition to the dismemberment of babies, hell hath no fury like the women that are trying to keep chopping up babies and you're getting in their way of doing that. Apparently they've never read the Bible because hell hath plenty of fury and God has reserved plenty of fury for those that do damage to the least of these. And the last thing that you should be doing is making a cardboard sign inciting a biblical concept about a God that will rain down his ultimate fury on those that participate in the modern-day holocaust of abortion. The article said that, the headline of the article, if you want to check it out, is Ad Spending Shows Democrats Hinging Midterm Hopes on Abortion. And I want to tell you a little bit about the article because it really sets up what's happening on a national basis and what's happening right here in our swing county of Pinellas County, Florida. The article says that Democrats are pumping an unprecedented amount of money into advertising related to abortion rights, underscoring how central the message is to the party in the final weeks before the November midterm elections. With the most intense period of campaigning only just beginning, Democrats have already invested more than an estimated $124 million this year into television advertising referencing abortion. And no matter where across the country you live in Pirate Nation, it probably feels like most of that $124 million is coming right into your market. It's just they are carpet bombing, they're saturating media with these radical abortion opinions. Back to the article, it says that's more than twice as much money as the Democrats' next top issue this year, which is character. Can I pause there and just laugh with you about the fact that Democrats think that they have a moral high ground on character when their biggest issue is abortion and their second biggest issue is the abortion of an administration that's occupying the White House right now? Character? Hunter? 
character, Epstein, character, FBI, almost 20 times more than Democrats spent on abortion-related ads in the 2028 midterms. An estimated spending based on the AP analysis of data that they got from a research firm reveals the extent to which Democrats are betting their majorities in Congress and key governorships on one issue. That's even as large of a majority as the Americans that think that the country is heading in the wrong direction and that the economy is in poor condition. So the Democrats actually think that this abortion issue is more important than the economy. Advertising numbers also reveal just how sharply Republicans have shied away from abortion in their paid advertising in the weeks since the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. A decades-long goal of the GOP, man, they should be celebrating. I'm celebrating every single baby that's been saved here since the overturning of Roe versus Wade. The data that the AP was using captures every single time a campaign ad is aired on TV and estimates the cost associated with those airings. So it's really an estimate, but it really foreshadows how this midterm election is shaping up. The Democrats think they can win based on a campaign of dismembering babies and that the majority of Americans would be favorful of pro-abort. And we're seeing it right here in Pinellas County. Pinellas County is a bellwether, as we talked about in the last segment, a, a foreshadowing of what's happening across the country. No finer example of that here than in Pinellas County, where there's a congressional race that is shaping up between a radical pro-abortion candidate that is in favor of dismembering babies all the way up until the point of viability. Talk about a radical. Talk about something that is an abomination to God. Maybe this is what the Bible talks about. There's a term in Revelation that talks about the abomination that causes desolation. Maybe it's the tens of millions of babies that have been murdered at the hands of Roe versus Wade and at the hands of the Democrats. So in Pinellas County, we have a chance with a absolutely wonderful America First, Family First, Pro-God, Pro-Gun, Pro-Family, Pro-Baby candidate by the name of Anna Polina Luna. She's a, vet, a military veteran. She was in the Air Force for six years and then a couple of years in uh, National Guard service after that. Her husband is uh, equally stellar. He's a Purple Heart recipient, uh, was injured in the line of duty. Just a, a, a wonderful family that has a chance to send Anna Polina Luna to Washington, D.C. to advocate on behalf of children. You know, she said that one of the first things that she wants to do is put in some basic fundamental parental protections, just like we have here now in the state of Florida. We call it the, parent, the Parents' Bill of Rights that was codified into law with the last Florida legislature here, and she intends to bring that same type of vision to Washington, D.C. And there's no higher calling in terms of the protection of people, of protection of the innocents, than to take a stand on behalf of life. And her opponent is just disgusting. Her opponent advocates for the killing of babies up until the very moment of their first breath, up until literally full-term babies. He takes a tremendous amount of money from Planned Parenthood, and he has been taking that money for years. This guy's been a Democrat. If you want to look at a picture, go to go to Webster's Dictionary, look up 
just look up the term the swamp look up the term the swamp and you're going to see a photo of eric lynn from pinellas county florida as the example in the dictionary of the swamp this guy is as bad this guy was a speech writer for obama he's playing himself like he's some big moderate right now this guy is the most radical whacked out woke blm listen i believe that all lives matter and that black lives definitely matter i delineate between the black lives matter organization the for-profit corporation that fleeced everybody out of a bunch of money and bought a bunch of houses and then dissolved and the concept that black lives matter and black lives do matter but the blm organization is as disgusting and radical as it can get and this guy is a huge fan of black lives matter the organization he's a huge recipient of funding coming in from all kinds of people associated with Planned Parenthood because he is the hope to keep babies dead in the United States. So, you know, what? my little 10-year-old came in after watching uh, a copious amount of YouTube over the weekend. She's allowed to watch some YouTube over the weekends. And she came in and she recited to me a Eric Lynn commercial because she lives in Pinellas County. She has a dad that uh, is on the Pirate Nation podcast. She's kind of politically astute for a little one. And she came in and she asked me about this ad, but I'd like you to hear from her in her own words, exactly what this advertisement said, her paraphrase of what the advertisement said, so you can understand the saturation that's happening in our county, thanks to the Democrats that are obsessed with the continuation of the killing of babies in the United States. Let's have a listen. So tell me about the ad that you heard on YouTube about Anna Paulina Luna. Um, it goes, Anna Paulina Luna, an anti-devotion extremist, against devotion even in threat to the mother's life. And then it says that a clip of Anna Paulina Luna saying, you know, I am a pro-life extremist, and then I'm, I'm not going to hide that. And then after it says, Anna Paulina Luna, too extreme. So what do you what do you think that means? What they're showing that on kids programs. What do you what what do you think that's about? Does that mean like she's too extreme? Like she's really extreme? And what does mean? He's calling her extreme, and you know, and let me tell you why she's extreme. She's extreme because she wants to protect babies, and he, the guy that's running against her, wants to advocate for babies to be killed when they're in their mother's tummies all the way up until when there's born. So which do you think is more extreme? Somebody that wants to protect babies or somebody that wants to kill babies? Well, why would you want to kill babies? Just right. once you get the baby, just put it up for adoption. You don't have to kill it. So which do you think is the more extreme position, Anna Polina Luna or Eric Lynn? The guy that's running against her. Right. And before you left-wing lunatics attack me for having a youngster involved in this discussion. I didn't involve her in this discussion. She's watching YouTube uh, cartoons about Roblox and things that little girls are interested in. And Eric Lynn finds it necessary, and the Democratic Party across the country is finding it necessary to infiltrate the minds of these children and their programming with their pro-abortion propaganda. Let's play the actual ad now so you can actually hear what is being Carpet, bl carpet blasted all across Pinellas County as a microcosm of what's being blasted all across the country on this abortion issue. Here you go. So I went looking for the audio, and you know what the ironic part is? 
go take a look at Eric Lynn's YouTube page. He's literally taken it off of his page. He's still running paid advertising all over YouTube for it, but you can't find a link to it from his own page. Aren't you proud of it, Eric? Eric, your campaign page has pictures of your little children. So you wanted to have your children, but you want other people to terminate their pregnancies, Eric. That's who you are. Um, and you know what? I don't want to dignify that ad any more than it's worth, but I did find a fascinating uh, commentary from Anna Polina Luna directly that she gave to Turning Point uh, back in 2021 about being unapologetically pro-life. So I'm going to let you hear from the candidate herself about her position on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Have a listen to what Anna Polina Luna, congressional candidate for U.S. House of Representatives District 13 in Pinellas County, has to say about being unapologetically pro-life. I'm so glad to come talk to you guys today about something that is very controversial right now, abortion. I would like to start out by saying that my pro-life journey, I did not always start out as a pro-life advocate. It's not that I agreed with killing babies, it's that from my viewpoint at this point in time, I did not think that the government should really get involved in telling women what they should do. However, God, I think, had something different in store for me, and it was when I became a senior in college that I decided to take a developmental biology course. Now, I'm walking in thinking that this is going to be like every other science course I've ever taken in my life in college, which was extremely boring and monotonous. <laughs> and yet, I'm by the way, are there any STEM majors in here? You guys are my people. So uh, <laughs> I'm sitting there in this class, and my professor, who was known for discovering this like single form of snail, uh, specifically known to the state of Florida. So you can imagine taking his you know, class and talking about human life was completely boring. Um, I'm sitting there and he's saying, okay, we went out and got 60 chickens and we're going to uh, observe the developmental process of these chickens. And I know you guys are probably like, wait, she's talking on abortion. Why is she talking about these chickens? And why is there a chicken on the screen? I'll get to that in a second. So I'm sitting there and I'm going through this process and he says, okay, look, we're gonna open up this fertilized chicken embryo and I'm gonna give you this scalpel here and I want you to cut off a developing bud in this chicken. And I'm thinking, oh my God, why would I do that? <laughs> but I'm sitting there with my dissection microscope and as I open it up and I'm looking at this beating heart, I started thinking about abortion. And to me, I'll get to this in a second, but I had never really seen the science behind it. And I think that it's really interesting that right now you have an entire political agenda that will push global warming in the name of science, but they won't acknowledge the scientific facts about what constitutes life. You cannot, if you're using science, pick and choose what science you want to choose from in the name of your agenda. So I'm sitting there and as I'm going through and I'm essentially cutting off this developing limb of this embryo, I see it shake. I felt completely awful about it. And you know, I pass my exams, go through, take my finals, and at the end of the course, my professor goes, okay, well, you know, we're just gonna toss these chicken, chicken embryos out. And I'm thinking, oh my God, they're fertilized. I'm not gonna let this happen. So what I end up doing is I take home all 60 chicken eggs my husband at the time, mind you, was in Mosul, right? And so he's calling me, he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, nothing. We lived at a townhome. I'm talking like a two bedroom, two and a half bathroom, townhome, no backyard, Florida. 
and I'm sitting there with incubators hand rotating these eggs, and I don't know when they're going to hatch. I just know that I ran dissections on them, and I had all these chickens left. Well, what ended up happening is I ended up with 60 chickens. <laughs> and so I got on my Snapchat on my Instagram, and I put a cute Snapchat filter, and I gave them all away to local farmers, but I realized something. I felt awful about these chicken eggs. Imagine a human being. Come to find out later on that my husband, this incredible man who fought multiple combat tours overseas, thank you. <laughs> this is actually him when he had gotten shot and was coming back at Walter Reed, and him while he's deployed in Mosul. My husband is that 0.003% that was conceived in rape. No human being deserves to be a choice, and we as women absolutely need to take a stand against other women that choose to inform our younger generation that human beings are a choice and that it's a feminine right. It's not. Being a feminist does not mean you encourage the slaughter of infants, and that's what's happening now. Sorry, I get very emotional on this topic. I, I feel like every time I'm on stage, I get emotional with you guys. I'm always like crying about something. Hey everybody, this is Charlie Kirk, founder and CEO of Turning Point USA. If you liked this video, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Turning Point USA. goes without saying because inevitably what people say about people they disagree with is they're dirty etc so let me just state for the record we have not taken a single dollar's worth of campaign contributions from any candidate for any office in Pinellas County in Florida or in the United States so let's dispel and put those rumors to bed right now the reason we are bringing the truth to the Pirate Nation listeners is because you deserve, you deserve the truth. Remember the old days of Fox News where they used to say, we report and you decide? You decide who the extremist is here. You decide if Anna Polina Luna, whose mother could have chosen abortion, just like Eric Lynn could have chosen abortion for the little children in his profile picture, Anna Polina Luna's mother was living in desperate circumstances. She had a father that was drug addicted. She grew up in homes in which there was violence perpetrated by outsiders at the homes that she lived in. If ever there was a rags to riches story about somebody that survived against the odds and has every reason in the world to defend other children in the same situation, it's Anna Polina Luna. When the easiest thing for her mother to do might have been to make a different decision. I'm not saying it's ever easy for any woman, don't misunderstand. But if ever there was a case to be made for terminating a pregnancy, that definitely would have been a circumstance in which it would have been considered by some. But thank goodness her mother had the foresight to bring Anna Polina Luna into this world to become a fighter for these kids. So you decide who the extremist is. We'll paint the picture for you on both sides. You got one candidate that thinks that he can win by the number one issue that he thinks is so important is preserving the women's rights to terminate a pregnancy all the way up to the point of viability. And you have another candidate who wants to fight for kids. 
Listen, she's been at school board meetings that I've been at on behalf of these children here in my local hometown. Eric Lynn has never, one time, ever been to a school board meeting to advocate on behalf of the children of this county. And now he tells you that he's the moderate, that he's the one that represents the kids. Eric Lynn, you don't represent my children or pretty much any children with the stance that you've taken against the children of Pinellas County and against the children of Florida, and you want to take a stance against children in the United States, good luck to you, sir. It's not going to play well with the people of Pinellas County because we know who you are. We know who the extremist is. And that's why the Pirate Nation podcast is proudly supporting and endorsing Ana Polina Luna for District 13 U.S. House of Representatives to represent me and my children and unborn children yet to come in Pinellas County, Florida. So now it's up to you. We need you to share this podcast with every pro-life, God-fearing Pinellas County resident that you know. We need you to share this inside of your churches with your friends, with your family. For all of you listening outside of Pinellas County, across Pirate Nation, we need you to make a donation to Ana Polina Luna. It's voteapl.com, voteapl.com. You can get on there, make a donation. This is going to be a very expensive finish, but it could very well control the balance of power and whether or not God continues to be honored in this United States of America. We are asking that people humble themselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from their wicked ways. Because God said that if America, if his people were to do that, he would hear from heaven. He would forgive their sins and he would heal this land. And that's my prayer for today. Please share this with every single God-fearing person that you know inside and outside of Pinellas County, Florida. We have to get the message out. We have 44 days left and America hangs in the balance. For today, my name is David Happy, asking you humbly to share this podcast. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. You can share it right here from the listening platform you're listening to this on right now from anchor.fm. We will talk to you next week. We'll be at less than 40 days. We'll be at 37 days away from the election when I talk to you again. For today, smooth sailing until we meet again on another edition of the Pirate Nation podcast.